Hi and welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason, one of the pastors here at Schweitzer. It's a joy to welcome you as we gather all kinds of different places to worship our Lord and our God. Today, we're gonna to hear a question that comes to us from the first part of, of the book of Acts in the New Testament. The question is this, who are you trying to impress? It's a part of our sermon series all together now where we're taking a look at this, these early chapters in the book of Acts. We're hearing questions that are pertinent to our own lives, getting encouragement, hearing the Lord speak with us. It's gonna be a great day of worship. If you're new worshiping with us for the first time, we'd encourage you to, to check in, let us know that you're here. We'd love to know that you're worshiping with us. If you've been with us for a while, take a moment, invite a friend to join us in worship. Now we're gonna to listen to Stephanie as she shares with us some ways where we can connect and be involved in ministry at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Are you looking for a creative way to serve our church community? We have a really neat way for you to do that in the month of February. We're looking for about 50 volunteers to safely deliver a gift to the porches of our church community. If you're interested in this, contact Sheila Pippin at spippin at sumc.co. And you can find out more about ways to serve at sumc.co slash serve. We need your help to restock the Flourish Food Pantry at Schweitzer. Between now and Super Bowl Sunday, we're collecting new non-perishable food items to help our food pantry serve other families in our community. Some specific items that we need are cereal, canned fruit, hamburger helper, and dry pasta. You can find out a complete list at sumc.co slash food pantry. And for our Schweitzer families, we're back with new episodes of our Schweitzer Kids Church Online. These are 15-minute services designed for kids with creative content, a biblical message, talented kids, and much more. You can see it premiering every Wednesday on YouTube and at sumc.co slash kids. Thanks, Stephanie, for those ways we can connect. In just a moment, we're gonna begin worship. KJ's gonna lead us. And as KJ leads us in worship, we wanna invite you, if you're watching, watching live, to engage through the chat feature or the prayer button. There are people who will happily greet you and we will worship together. Let's enter into worship.
During December of 2020, we asked you as a church to join us in helping launch a new community development corporation, Flourish CDC, as a way to continue the great work we've been doing to transform lives in our community. You responded with generous giving, inquiring questions, and excited encouragement. The aim is to see Schweitzer's ministries reach new people in new places, locally and regionally. The work of Flourish is summarized in her mission. Following Jesus Christ, Flourish stands with neighbors in need, pursues healing through relationships of reconciliation, and invests in economic and leadership development. Today, January 24th, 2021, is a very special day as we as a church commission and establish Flourish. And now we'd ask the people of Schweitzer and our community to join with us in a prayer for commissioning of of Flourish. Let us pray. Kind Father, in establishing Flourish, we look to you, the source of transformation for wisdom, help, and spiritual power. We look to you, O Christ, to send us in mission to new people and new places. And we look to you, Holy Spirit, for encouragement and humility when the work is hard. We look to you, Triune Lord, for resources and leaders needful for the task. 
We look to you, holy God, to bring your kingdom close. With gratitude and praise for the work that you, O God, have done, and with hope and faith for your good work to continue in manifold ways, we hereby commission Flourish as an entity in our community. Now, friends, let's take a moment and pray for our nation with its change in leadership and for our healthcare workers as they minister and lead in these days. And now let's join in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. To learn more about Flourish, go to flourishcdc.org. There you'll find information about ministries, the Flourish board members and staff. You'll discover ways you can give, serve, and support this organization. We are excited to announce that the Christmas offering for Flourish has surpassed $75,000. This is a great beginning. We are thankful for your continued generosity to the Lord with your giving and gifts. To give today, go to sumc.co slash give, or you can use the church app. And now we're going to hear a quartet lead us in worship with It Is Well With My Soul.
Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. This is part four of our series called All Together Now. We are starting the year off reading from the book of Acts, the first few chapters, as we read about the story of how the Christian movement got up off the ground and, and got started. And we're reading these, these first few chapters and, and hearing just story after story of how God used normal, ordinary people to change the world. And as you read about their story, it's really astounding because it wasn't like Jesus left them and, and all of a sudden there was just like this one guy who was super talented and had all the answers, was really smart and charismatic and could rally all the people around him. That's not how this started at all. I mean, really what God did is he, he used normal, ordinary people. They were uneducated. They were unimpressive. They weren't well-connected or rich. They didn't have power. They had all kinds of obstacles and persecutions. And, and, and yet they succeeded. And they shouldn't have succeeded, but, but they did. And, and we are still here because of them, this, this movement that they started. As you think about how they got going, there's something miraculous to that. And the miraculous thing, of course, is, is what Jesus was doing through them. And, and that's really the, the storyline of the book of Acts. Acts opens with this promise of Jesus about how he's going to move through them. It's a promise we've read every single week in the series. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 goes like this. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, when, when Jesus comes on, when the Spirit comes to them, they are going to live in a different kind of way. And this promise is the storyline of the book of Acts. It's really the storyline of the rest of the Bible. It's the storyline of church history, and it's still the storyline of the church today that God is using people, normal people, ordinary people to change the world, that we might be a, a witness for him. Now, now, sometimes we hear that word witness and we're like yeah, a little uncomfortable with that. Makes us a, a little uneasy because, because we hear the word witness and we've got like certain things in mind. We kind of have a, like a narrow view of what it means to be a witness. Like we got to go preach to people or hand out Bible tracts or we're going to knock on doors. And that's what it means to be a witness, narrow view of what this is. But as we read today, and really the next several weeks, one of the things we're going to see is that to be a witness isn't like a narrow thing. It's, it's like a broad thing. Like we're witnesses in all kinds of ways, in a broad kind of view. And I, I want us to see this broad view of how God wants to use us as a witness because being a witness isn't like a one-size-fits-all. Because all of us are different. We have different gifts and we have different abilities and we have different circumstances and relationships and influences. And so there's this broad way that God wants to use all of us to be a witness of, 
of his love, of his wonder, of his goodness for everybody. So today we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're going to cover a ton of ground, Acts 4 and 5. We're going to see two examples of being a witness in a broad kind of way. Now, one example is going to be incredibly compelling and inspiring, and it's going to be like, I want to be like that kind of example. And the other example, well, it's it's not going to be anything like that at all. It's going to be like, don't do these kinds of things. And so let's look at these two examples. Acts chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse uh, 32. Here's how it goes. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, them all, that there was Um, no needy person among them. And don't just read right past that. No needy person among them. This is a a huge thing that's taking place that there's no needy person among them. And you gotta kind of wonder like, why? Why is there no needy person among them? Is it because the apostles are supernaturally and miraculously providing for food and clothing and shelter for people? Or is it that like, God is miraculously showing up that there's no needy person among them. Well, well, of course not. You can see how the miracle keeps working here as we read on here. And, and here's how the God was working miraculously through them, but it didn't look like supernatural, like all of a sudden clothes were there. Instead, it looks like this. It says, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money to the, from the money from the sales and, um, and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is how the people are being provided for. Not that like God is miraculously showing up and there's food like manna in the desert kind of miracle, but rather it's the kind of miracle where people's hearts have been so impacted by the grace of God that they can't help but give. It's this incredible generosity that's being spurred here. Let's keep reading. We're gonna see a specific example of this. Verse, uh, Verse 39 says, For Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which is a famous person in the Bible. And uh, Barnabas means son of encouragement, which is, as far as nicknames go, one of the best things to be have a nickname for, that you might be a son of encouragement, just a positive example to people. Well, Barnabas, verse 37, says, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, what's implied here is with the apostles' feet is that when he sold this land, he's bringing all of the proceeds, and he's putting it at the apostles' feet. All the proceeds from the land, he's putting it at the apostles' feet, and they are now distributing it in the work of the church to, to take care um, of people. And, and you may not think about it like this, but what Barnabas is doing here is, is an act of witness. It's an act of witness for a few reasons. One, um, it's a way that he's providing for people. He's providing for real people and real needs, taking care of them, sharing the love of God in a tangible, practical way. That's one way it's a witness. And, and two, Barnabas is being a witness because he is demonstrating the new life in Christ. In a real life example, he's demonstrating what does it look like to live the new life in Christ. And what we see in Barnabas, this incredible example, is that the new life in Christ is a person who's been so impacted by the grace of God that they no longer just live for themselves. The new life in Christ is this new paradigm where it's not just about me and what I have, 
The New Life in Christ is, is looking for opportunities to make a difference and change and impact other people. It's a, it's, a, it's a life that is focused on the glory of God and living for that. It's the New Life in Christ is this change, this transformation, and Barnabas is, is a witness of this. And, and this New Life in Christ, this, this witness, this is like the broad way that, that Barnabas is a witness to the world, this broad way that, that he is sharing about the goodness of God and the change that can take place in someone's life when they come in contact with Christ. This new life in Christ that Barnabas is the witness to is this broad way of being, of being a witness. And this witness that Barnabas offers was so compelling and so inspiring that it inspired all kinds of people around them. In fact, a, a few generations after the book of Acts, uh, there was a Roman emperor, his name was Julian, who wrote a letter about the early Christians. And it's really fascinating because when you read this letter about the early Christians, what Julian writes about is this kind of demonstration, this kind of witness that we see from Barnabas, this new life in Christ that takes care of people and doesn't just live for himself. I want to read to you just a portion of what Julian, this Roman emperor, not a Christian, but what he writes about the early Christians just a few generations after this. And here's what Julian writes. He says this, he says, atheism, which by the way, that's how the Romans uh, talked about their early Christians. They called them atheists. And they called them atheists because the early Christians uh, didn't worship all of the Roman gods. And they just said there was one God. So therefore the Romans called the early Christians atheists. And so Julian says, atheism has been specially advanced. It's spreading into the world. Listen to how, through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead, goes on, he says, it is a scandal that there is not a single Jew. Again, he's talking about Christians, but in his mind, Christians and Jews are, are the same group. So there's a scandal. There's not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans, he's talking about Christians, of course, the godless Galileans, listen to this, care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. Isn't that incredible? This Roman emperor who doesn't follow Christ doesn't believe, doesn't haven't experienced this new life in Christ. When he looks at the early Christians, what he sees them doing is this witness, this testimony about how they take care of people, how they share the love of God with people in tangible and practical ways. Like it's an incredible witness, not a narrow sense of like knocking on doors and hiding out Bible tracts, but a, a broad sense of like, how are you using your life to impact and to change other people, to to benefit them. This is the broad view of what it looks like to be a witness. And so we have here this incredible example, Barnabas, someone who's been so impacted by the love of God, the grace of God, that he is living in just extraordinary generosity. He brings the proceeds from the sale. And he gives it all to the apostles to be used for the church. This incredible generosity that he has, he has received God's grace. He gives God's grace to others to take care of them. We have this example on this one hand, and, and now we're gonna read another example. And it's, uh, it's not quite as compelling, <laughs> and it's more of a don't do this kind of example. So let's keep reading here. Chapter five, verse one, the very next verse after reading about uh, Barnabas goes like this. It says, now, a better translation of that Greek word would be, but a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, they see all the attention that Barnabas is getting. so. They also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, so she knows everything that's happening here with everything that's going on. She's seen the spreadsheets. She's in on the sale. She's, she's full knowledge. 
He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, I want to be really careful as we wade through here. Because as you read about what they just did, um, it's tempting to think that the problem with what they did is one thing, but in fact, the problem is something else. You see, it's tempting to think that the problem with Ananias and Sapphira is that they kept back some of the money for themselves and didn't give everything to the Lord. But that's not really the problem that what we see here, that's not really the problem at all. In fact, the Bible never tells us that we have to give all of our money to the Lord and his work. I mean, what the Bible teaches is proportional giving. Uh, The tithe is 10%, not 100%. And all of the money from the sale of this property that Ananias' fire has is is totally theirs. They can do with it whatever they want. The, The problem with what they do is not that they keep back some of it for themselves. The problem is that they make it look like they gave it all. This is what it means when they put it at the apostles' feet. This is what people were doing, what Barnabas did. He gave it all and put it at the apostles' feet. And so you have these, this couple, both in full knowledge of what's going on. They sell this property and, and they make themselves look better than what it really was. They, they make themselves look better than their deeds really were. And, and they end up doing this thing that's not actually truthful to what it is that they did. And of course, you know, we have a word for that kind of action. When, when you make yourself look better on the outside than, than who you are really on the inside, like we have a word for that. And what, what is that word? Hypocrisy. This is clearly an, an act of hypocrisy where you try to do the thing that the other person's doing because he's getting so much encouragement and so much, so much praise for it, but you're not actually doing the same thing. It's, you're looking good on the outside, but on the inside, you're, you're not there. Well, Peter, he sees right through this. And so we keep reading here and Peter is going to call him out on, on his hypocrisy. And so verse three says, when Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and that you have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the, for the land? Again, the problem is not that he kept some of the money. The problem is that he pretended that he didn't. Keeps going here. Verse four, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Like you didn't have to bring it all. And, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You didn't have to pretend to do something that you weren't really doing. He goes on and says, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. This is the problem of hypocrisy. You have lied to God. Verse five, listen to this. It's so troubling. Verse five says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. He died. What in the world? He died. Now there's all kinds of debate about this, of course. How did he die? Did God kill him? Did he die from guilt? Like, did Peter do it somehow? Like, how did he die? I mean, it's not like Peter said to him, thou shalt now die, Ananias. No, like, I don't know how he died. I don't know what this looked like. Somehow, though, he can't stand within the holiness of God with his own lie. Something's going on here. He's dead. And uh, as we keep reading here, it says, great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, even though she was in full knowledge of the hypocrisy. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Here's your chance to come free. You don't have to be um, lying anymore. Yes, she said, that is the price. 
Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So Acts chapter four and five. On one hand, you have Barnabas, this incredible, compelling, inspiring witness, this person who uses his resources at work to bless other people, this person who's been so impacted by God's grace that he is a witness in word and deed in this really broad view of, of what it looks like to be a witness as he's seeking to bless others. And then on the other hand, you've got Ananias and Sapphira who do similar deeds, but they do it from the wrong place. They do it from a place of making themselves look better. They do it from a place where it's not really about other people. It's really about them and what it is that they can get out of this and how it is going to look for them. And so you have these two, these two examples of, of a great witness and then this, this problem of, of hypocrisy, this problem of, of hypocrisy. And you have this hypocrisy that's brewing within Ananias and Sapphira, this, this, this misalignment within them between who they are on the outside and, and who they really are on the inside. And that's really what hypocrisy is. That's how I think about it, is it's, it's a misalignment between who you are on the outside and, and who you are on the inside. It's a, it's a misalignment between what you say you believe and then what you actually do with your life. It's, it's things aren't lining up. And, and so therefore, the opposite of hypocrisy would be when, when there's an alignment between who you say you are and who you, what you say you believe and the way you actually live your life. There'd be an alignment there. And, and if hypocrisy would be the misalignment, I think the word we would use for the alignment when things are, are true is we would use the word integrity. Integrity is when your life lines up and, and is the way that you're supposed to live. It's the way that you, who you say you are actually matches your, your actions and, and who you are by yourself is the same person as you are in public and how you treat people in private is the same as you treat people outside. It's, it's who you are on the inside is also who you are on the outside. It's, it's living a life of integrity because your life lines up. It's, it's got an alignment between what you say you believe and what you really are. Now, now a lot of times I think we come across hypocrisy and a lot of us are like, What's the big deal? I mean, hypocrisy. I mean, what's the real big deal? We sweep it under the rug. It's not that big of a deal for us. And, and, and the cynics among us, of course, would say that, you know, hypocrisy, what's the problem? Because everyone's a hypocrite. So, so what's even the problem with that? But, but as you think about hypocrisy, while our temptation might be to like maybe push it aside or sweep it under the rug, because it's not really that big a deal to have misalignments in your life between what you say you believe and what you really do. The Bible, on the other hand, takes hypocrisy to be incredibly serious. I mean, let me read to you just a few examples, just a few examples of how the Bible talks about hypocrisy in different places in the New Testament. Just a few examples of this. First John chapter four, listen to this. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, that's the misalignment. What's the word? They are a liar. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It makes you wonder to yourself as you read verses like that and think about the misalignment. Are there people in my life that I'm 
have broken relationships with, people in my life that I can't stand, people in my life who I haven't forgiven, people in my life that, that I, I, I haven't reconciled with, people in my life that cause me so much anger, I just have to leave the room to be around them. Like that's the misalignment that we're talking about here. And this is how the Bible talks about it. It's like, I'm a liar when I live like that. Here's another example. Matthew 7, Jesus says this. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Makes you wonder, like, are there times where you judge people for the exact same things that you do? Or are there times where you tell someone else what to do, but you yourself aren't doing those things? Like, it's, it's hypocrisy. It's a misalignment. Here's another example. Matthew 6, again, Jesus. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I, I wonder, do you ever make yourself look more faithful, more spiritual than maybe you really are on the inside? That's the misalignment, the hypocrisy. Matthew uh, 15, again, Jesus, he says this, he says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Like, do you ever talk about a relationship with God and in a way that um, you're not actually living into? I mean, this is, again, the, the misalignment, the hypocrisy. Here's one more example. This is really harsh. Paul, Titus, chapter 1. Paul says, they, that is the hypocrites, claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Like sometimes I, I think we, we think about hypocrisy and it's like no big deal. Everyone's a hypocrite and we don't make a big deal about this. But when you think about what the Bible says about hypocrisy, you realize that this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And, and I wonder, why do you think that is? Why do you think the Bible makes such a big deal about hypocrisy? And I, I'm sure we could brainstorm lots of reasons why this is, right? Hypocrisy is a problem because it, it separates us from God. Hypocrisy is a problem because it keeps us stuck in our sin because we're not honest about who we really are and how we're really struggling and what it is that we are really doing with our life. Hypocrisy is a problem because it creates self-deception within us where we've become even blinded to our own need for change and transformation. That's what keeps us stuck. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why hypocrisy is a problem. But as, as ever you think about this, this question though of why is hypocrisy such a problem, one thing you have to also consider is how hypocrisy impacts the promise of Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To what? To, to be my witness. What's the fastest way that you can kill your witness as a Christian? What's the fastest way that you can draw, drive people away from faith in Christ? What's the fastest way that you can turn your friends, your family, your neighbors, the people you work with away from Christ? Real simple hypocrisy. Like hypocrisy matters because it doesn't just affect us, it affects the people around us. When we have these misalignments in our life between what we say we believe and then how we really act, it's not just affecting us. It's this witness of, of the goodness of God as it's spread into the world. And so you have these two examples. Barnabas on one hand, incredibly compelling, inspiring, motivational. I want to be like Barnabas, been so impacted by the grace of God. I give everything so that other people might be benefited as well. And then I have Ananias and Sapphira, this couple that makes it about themselves. 
this couple that is more concerned about what it looks like for them than how it is they're actually making a difference in the world. You have these two examples. And these two examples in the Bible are laid side by side for a reason. Luke, who wrote Acts, he told these two stories very intentionally to be laid side by side for a reason because because Luke is trying to stir up a question within us. I mean, the reason why these are laid side by side is because he's wanting us to ask a question. Which one of these are we? Are we a Barnabas? Are we an Ananias and Sapphira? Do we have our life aligned so that what we say we believe and who we really are, that they're lined up and they're, and they're living in such a way that, that we are a witness to the world of the change and the transformation God brings? Or, or are there places where there are misalignment in our lives? Are we a Barnabas or are we a Ananias and Sapphira? And I don't know how you might answer that question, but as we think about these misalignments, we, we might want to think about the relationships we have. Are there relationships in our life that are misaligned? We know they're not what God wants for us. Are there people in our life who have hurt us and we haven't forgiven them or people we've hurt and we've not sought reconciliation with? That's misalignment. That's the hypocrisy that the Bible speaks of. Are, are there places in our life where, where we have hidden secrets and, and hidden things that we don't tell anyone else about because we're afraid of, of how they might judge us and we, we make ourselves look better on the outside, but inside we've actually got these struggles within us. Like there's all kinds of ways that these misalignments start to show up. And as we start to live within these misalignments, these hypocrisies, we start finding ourselves living further and further from God's will for us and less and less as a witness because we're making our life more and more about ourselves. And, and so today, you know, if you're somebody who, who sees themselves even just a little bit like Ananias and Sapphira, and I certainly see myself like that, let me just offer you a word of encouragement because Whenever there's misalignment in our lives between what we say we believe and the way we really live, the solution to that is not just for us to fix it, but rather the solution is found in the power of the Spirit. It's found in the promise that we have in Acts that God's power is gonna come on our lives in order that we might live different. That God's power is gonna come in our lives that we might be a witness. And this is how our lives change is when we open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. Because it's the Spirit of God who brings healing. It's the Spirit of God who brings us the power to forgive others. It's the Spirit of God who helps us live in a truthful way with integrity. It's the Spirit of God who helps us choose hard things over easy things. It's the Spirit of God who works in us. And so today, in just a few moments, we're gonna pray. And I want us to pray and invite the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to fill our lives because this is the way that we're gonna live with integrity. And, and maybe for you, there could be really specific things that as we're talking through this, you feel the Spirit convicting you of specific things in your life that you need to confess, specific things in your life that you need to turn over to the Lord because you know you're not living in God's will. There's a misalignment. And as we welcome the Spirit into our lives, we ask Him to speak into us and to lead us, this is where that integrity is built and we can live as witnesses. No matter who we are, no matter what our gifts might be, our, our influences might be, our relationships might be, we can be the kinds of witnesses who share the good news to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. And so Father, today we wanna to pray for your spirit to come and fill our lives. Because the truth is all of us have areas of misalignment in our lives. All of us have areas of hypocrisy. There's no question about it. None of us are living perfectly the way that we say we believe to the actions that we have. For some of us, there's some very specific things that are coming up in our minds, some secrets, some relationships, some 
some thoughts, some, some feelings that we have that we need to correct. And Lord, we wanna open ourselves to you today and ask you to fill us with your spirit. And where we've chosen sin and hypocrisy, would you forgive us? For some of us, we need to name those things to you. We need to name the places where we have misalignment in our life. And God, would you give us the strength to live in a new kind of way, a transformed kind of way, that we've been so impacted by the grace of God that we are a witness to everyone we come across. We're a witness of the goodness of God and the new life that we have in Christ. Would you fill us with your spirit that we might live into this example of Barnabas, who is a witness in practical and tangible ways of the goodness of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son who's been given to us that no matter what our life might look like, we can trust you with absolutely everything. It's in the name of Christ that we pray today. Amen. Let my heart be a temple Let that temple have a throne Let the one who sits upon it Be you and you alone I surrender my Down on my pride, that I would be your servant and you would be my God. Let your will be done in me, let your kingdom come in me. In Like a battle-weary soldier I'm lifting up my head In absolute surrender My life, my will, my place And yours will be the glory King
lift my hands and say that I need you I lift my heart and say that I love you I give my life, God I am forever yours I lift my hands and say that I need you I lift my heart and say that I love you I give my life, God I am forever yours Ooh, yeah. I lift my hands and say that I need you I lift my heart and say Friends, it's been so good to be with you today to share this, this time with you. I want to say thank you to those who made this happen. Jason, Stephanie, uh, KJ, the worship team, thank you so much. Um, it is well. What a great song. Thank you for singing that to us today and leading us in, in worship. Um, today, if this has been helpful for you, I want to encourage you to share this, this good news message about how God brings our life into alignment, that we can live this, this new life in Christ as a witness to the world of His goodness and His grace. I, I can't wait to share next week with you. I hope you'll be with us next Sunday. Have a great week.